The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now, go Sign my name all over the place. I'll do anything you want to do. But I'm a honey, they all for my shoes. Don't you? Devil of the bridge. Oh, I almost forgot what I was supposed to do. Anyhow. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> are things crazy out there in the world or are things crazy? But we're going to do our best to set things right right now. <laughs> and as normal, I'm just going to ask for people calling in to wait until 6.30 to call. I want to start off quoting a president. Um, no, not uh, Joe Biden, but um, somebody a much earlier. But first, I've got to do my intro. Joe Biden is not the president. Joe Biden is not the president. He is not the commander in chief. He is the thief in chief. He's the pretender to the throne, always looking around for his crown. He is the cellar dweller living with the rats and the moles. He is the king of crappers. Who will change his pants? He is your highness of hair sniffers. Keep him away from your daughters. He is the boss of bribery. He knows how to hide money. He is the founder of Brandon Falls everywhere he goes, especially upstairs. He is Dementor Don, wandering around aimlessly. <laughs> he is the globe-trotting adversary. The Washington generals could have none better. And finally, he is the leader of the warmongers. A finer, more gallant warrior has never been. And uh, I guess we're going to talk a lot about warmongering tonight. But like I said, I want to talk about um, one of the presidents from long ago. The first one, in fact, George Washington. He knew something about fighting wars. He was actually in two of them. He fought in French and Indian War. And then he fought, as everybody knows, he was the leading general in, uh, in the American Revolution. And uh, what I want to look at is a whole bunch of quotes from his farewell address on uh, the September 19th, 1796. And since it's from 1796, a little bit of the grammar, though correct, especially for that time and even for now, um, just might get a little confusing. So there'll be a couple of spots where I'll... I'll repeat it to clarify it. But 
I'm not going to read the whole thing through because it's 28 pages, double-spaced. But I want to begin towards the end with some stuff that that's going to that should resonate with what's going on today. You know, with our wars over there in Ukraine and and um, Israel. So anyhow, let me get started here. The great rule of conduct for us in regard to foreign nations is in extending our commercial relations to have them as little as possible political connection. So far as we have already formed engagements, let them be fulfilled with perfect good faith. Here, let us stop. He's not stopping his speech. It means that's, that's enough. Just fill the requirements on the specific deal, and then you stop. Let me go on. Europe has a set of primary interests which to us have none or a very remote relation. Hence, she must be engaged in frequent controversies, the causes of which are essentially foreign to our concerns. Hence, therefore, it must be unwise in us to implicate ourselves by artificial ties in the ordinary vicissitudes or wars of her politics or the ordinary combinations and collusions of her friendships or enmities. Now, I know that uh, in 1776, you know, the United States was a lot different. It was, uh, I believe it was just 13 states at that time. I don't know when Maine became its own state or when Florida got got uh, annexed. We, we bought that from from Spain. Big old real estate deal. Let's see. Our detached and distant situation invites and enables us to pursue a different course. If we remain one people under an efficient government, the period is not far off and we may defy material injury from external annoyance. We may take such attitude as will cause the neutrality we may at time resolve upon to be scrupulously respected. When belligerent nations under the impossibility of making acquisitions upon us will not lightly hazard the given us provocation when we may choose peace or war as our interest guided by all justice shall counsel. Okay, this is a big one and uh, it gets quoted a lot. Why forego the advantages of so peculiar a situation? In other words, we've got two oceans on either side of us. If somebody was going to attack us, they'd have to transverse the uh, the oceans. And even in this day and time, they would be seen or picked up on radar very quickly, and we have time to react. We do not live right next door to France, and <laughs> France lives right next door to Germany, and, and, you know, Austria bumps right up into each other. Europe has always constantly been in wars, and frankly, we don't have to be involved in them. Let me go on with what George Washington was saying here. 
Why forego the advantage of so peculiar a situation? Why quit our own to stand upon foreign ground? Or why quit? Why leave our own land to stand on foreign soil? Why, by interweaving our destiny with that of any part of Europe, entangle our peace and our prosperity in the toils of European uh, ambition, rivalship, interest, humor, or caprice? Uh, the best example, <laughs> besides today, but I'm going to stick to history for a little bit, is the First World War. We did not need to be involved in the First World War, not at all. We had no dog in the fight, none, zip, zero, zilch, nada. Even after the, the Lusitania was sunk, because the Lusitania was carrying um, uh, war munitions, at the very least, they had gun cotton in there. But there was probably more than that because Lusitania was requisitioned by the by the admiralty. Uh, Winston Churchill was in charge of the admiralty at that time. And he was using the, the Lusitania and its sister ship, the Mauritania, with bringing over uh, weapons, ammunition, and men. That two weeks earlier, before the Lusitania was sunk, uh, the Mauritania had 5,000 Canadian troops that were heading into the war. Now, that is against uh, maritime law and against uh, you know, the rules of law at that time. You were not supposed to put ammunition or any war material or troops onto pri uh, private, uh, uh, you know, uh, carriers, private, um, private ocean liners that would normally just be used for civilian use. But England was using uh, civilian liners to protect their war material, and they, they didn't fool the Germans at all. Not at all. The Germans knew they were carrying war material on that, on those ships, and that's why they targeted them. But that was hidden from the American public. The American public was not allowed to hear that. It was only, I believe, one Irish newspaper, <laughs> and the Irish hated the, the uh, Brits at that time. One Irish newspaper that that carried the story, even though... The, uh, the German ambassador here in, in Washington had broadcasted, had sent out to all the newspapers. That's all the, that's all the media, mass media there was at the, that in World War I. There was no radio, no TV, no Internet. So newspapers were the only way to, to broadcast information. And the German uh, ambassador had put out, did his best, put out information. Do not, um, you know, do not ride on a ship that's going to cross the uh, the war zone, which the English ships were doing, obviously. Um, so, even when the Lusitania was sunk, it was done according to the rules of law. 
governing World War One. Now, we did not get involved in the war at that time. That was 1915. We didn't get involved in the war for, for two more years. And Woodrow Wilson ran on a, a platform of, I kept you out of war. But like I say in my advertisement for my book, because we got involved in World War One, we got sucked into all of the, the wars after that. Because we changed the balance of power in Europe, and it was obvious that Britain couldn't, the whole Commonwealth, Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, India, that was part of the British Commonwealth at that time, could not defeat Germany <laughs> with France and with uh, Russia. All those countries could not defeat Germany. So, two years later, when almost all of Europe was exhausted from fighting or, or dead, <laughs> they, they went through, you know, a couple million people, uh, soldiers in that war. And then, in 1917, the Germans made a couple of really stupid blunders, diplomatic blunders, and we got involved in the war at, uh, in 1917. I'm glossing over the reasons why. There's a lot. And um, read my book. It's all in there. But this is, what, this is what George Washington is talking about. This is what we should avoid, studiously avoid. Let's see. Why, quit, why leave our own land to stand upon foreign ground? And why, by interweaving our destiny, see, by entering World War I, we got, in, we got woven together, we got blended together, we got dragged into European war politics. So, we defeated uh, Germany, and then we, we uh, did the, or I should say France and Britain, did uh, the Treaty of Versailles. They just practically kicked um, Woodrow Wilson to the side and, and they got every drop of blood and money out of the Germans that they could. And then when the Germans rejected the Treaty of Versailles under Hitler, how could we avoid getting involved in World War II? Because we changed the balance of power. We broke it. We bought it. We were involved in European politics, like it or not. This is crazy. Tis our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliances. Okay, you know what a permanent alliance is? Well, the relationship we have with Great Britain. We are joined at the hip with Great Britain. And the name of my book is The United States of Empire. Uh, you know, the passing of the mantle from the, uh, from the United Kingdom to the United States. <laughs> Almost forgot the whole title. But anyhow, we now have the empire that Great Britain once had. So we have the responsibilities that... Great Britain once had, which drags us into every war in Europe. 
you know, we, we do not need to be in Ukraine. And let me go further. We do not need to be fighting with or for Israel. We don't need that one iota. We're being dragged into all these wars. And the, the war going on with Israel is sooner or later going to have Hamas, uh, Hamas, they've got Hamas, going to have Iran coming in. And I'll talk about that more in the second half of the show. But um, we could have stayed out of World War One, and we could have stayed above all the wars, all the clashes that uh, have followed that. And we wouldn't have had people dying on battlefields in foreign lands. Let's see. This is Washington again. It is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliances with any portion of the foreign world. So far, I mean, as we are now at liberty to do it. For let me not be misunderstood. For let me not be understood as capable of patronizing infidelity to existing engagements. Okay. Don't need to go further on that point. I mean, I, I want to go further, but... You know, um, we're on the verge of nuclear war. You know, we, we were... It looked like the Ukraine war was going to wind down and come to an end with uh, Russia winning, which was, if you were betting in Las Vegas, you would have put uh, 100 down on, uh, on Russia and you would have won. And I'm not choosing sides. I'm just saying it was a stupid war to get involved in. Ukraine was never going to win it. And they still aren't. Sorry. And yes, Ukraine has been a part of Russia since Catherine the Great. Around the same time that our country got, got uh, established. But, um... Oh, I lost my thought. There's just so much great stuff here. If we could have stayed out of that... We wouldn't be dragged into what's going on today. Um, let's get some other dandies out of George Washington's farewell address here. He could have uh, he could have been president for life if he wanted to, but he stepped down after two terms. Listen to this. The name of American, which belongs to you in your national capacity, must always ex exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations. With slight shades of differences, you have the same religion, manners, habits, and political principles. You have a common cause fought and triumphed together. The independence and liberty you possess are the work of joint councils and joint efforts of common dangers and sufferings and successes. 
Now, there's one part in here that's really changed a lot. We don't have uh, the same religion uh, in many places. As you've seen on the streets in New York, in Houston, in L.A., you've seen uh, people of the Islam faith and people of the Jewish faith uh, facing off against each other almost breaking out into fisticuffs, almost breaking out into fights. Um, you know, if, if you're that excited, if, if you're that jazzed up about Islam or about Judaism, then why are you fighting here? Get on a plane, go over to uh, Palestine and, uh, you know, tell anybody there that you want to join up with, with Hamas. And fight with them. And if you're if you're Jewish and you're out on the streets looking for a fight with with the uh, Muslim, why don't you get on a plane and go join the Israel Defense Fo- uh, Force and fight over there? Why are you bringing your fight here to our shores? Well, part of the reason is that we haven't stayed out of other people's business. We haven't stayed out of other people's wars. So (laughs) we not only fight and die in foreign lands, we've brought the wars to this land. That's uh, not a good situation. So... Maybe here in the United States, we can show the world how we can live together side by side, even though we don't have the same religion, even though we have different uh, beliefs in how life should be, um, be lived. Maybe, just maybe, we could still be that, that shining light on a hill. This is crazy. We've brought the foreign wars here to our lands. Here's an interesting one. Hence, likewise, they will avoid the necessity of those overgrown military establishments which under any form of government are inauspicious, (laughs) are, are against liberty, which are to be regarded as particularly hostile to Republican liberty. And this is not Republican as in the Republican Party, because the Republican Party didn't get started until 1850. We have a Republican form of government. It is not a democracy. Get that out of your mind. A democracy is 50 people plus one uh, makes a majority out of 100, you know, or, or 51% of the vote. And as it's been said before, if you have two, two wolves and one sheep um, in a democracy and they put it up to a vote, should the sheep be eaten, the two uh, wolves are going to win. And it'll be a democratic victory. <laughs> the sheep will get eaten. So a Republican form of democracy protects the minority voter. Let me let me read this again. Okay, 
uh, we will avoid the necessity of those overgrown military establishments, which under any form of government are hostile to liberty and which are to be regarded as particularly hostile to Republican liberty. In this sense, it is that your union ought to be considered as a main prop of your liberty and that the love of one ought to endear you to the preservation of the other. You know, your love of union should prop up your liberty. Your liberty should prop up the union. See, these considerations speak a persuasive language to every reflecting and virtuous mind and exhibit the continuance of the union as a primary object of patriot desire. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Again, this is the first president of the United States. Uh, let me go back to the first half of this thing. And I read that one already. No, no, that's not the first half. This was the first half. Because there's one other really cool quote here that I want to read to you before we go into the break. That's party influence. Okay, well, maybe I read this to you already, but I'll read it again. The name of American which belongs to you in your national capacity must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations. You have a common cause fought and triumphs together. The independence and liberty you possess our work of joint councils and joint efforts of common dangers, sufferings, and successes. So, hey, be grateful you live in the United States. It's still the greatest country that, that's ever been formed. So, let me take a break here and we'll come back for more. Boy, that was a fast half hour. The United States of Empire by James Dunn shows how the U.S. became a worldwide empire. It looks at the entry of the U.S. into both world wars. George Washington had warned us about entangling ourselves in European wars. Before World War I, the United States was not concerned with foreign conflicts. In World War I, we changed the balance of power in Europe. We went in to save the world for democracy. We expelled the German Kaiser and imposed our own idea of what Germany should look like. Propaganda painted the Kaiser as the evil Hun that was destroying civilization. So when the true barbarian rose to power, Hitler, how could we avoid being drawn in again? We saved Great Britain. Britain needed us again in World War II to save their bacon. 
We bought the hog. Now we are the empire. The book, The United States of Empire, in paperback, is available at Amazon.com. Here's author James Dunn to talk about his soon-to-be-printed next book. The King Philip's War in New England in 1675 defined the relations, for good or bad, between English settlers and Native Americans for centuries to come. Many of the battles are local to the Blackstone Providence area with long-forgotten memorials and grave sites. Smithfield was the Battle of Nipsichuk. The Battle of Sudbury in Sudbury, Mass. was a turning point. Mount Hope in Bristol, Rhode Island was the home of King Philip and the Wampanoag tribe. The Connecticut River Valley was a scene of many bloody encounters between the English and the Nipmuc tribe. South Kingston, Rhode Island saw the Great Swamp Battle slash Massacre. One Englishman stands out in this brutal conflict. He dared to learn to fight like the Indians did and won the war for the English. He was Captain Benjamin Church in the book, Captain Benjamin Church and the King Philip's War. That clip goes out to, uh, that bumper song goes out to Owen Schroyer. He's a journalist, uh, works with the InfoWars, the infamous InfoWars. They do good work. And uh, he got arrested for being a journalist. That's because he got arrested for standing (laughs) on the steps at uh, January 6th. He wasn't anywhere near the, uh, the insurrection meeting. But he and Alex Jones were trying to steer people away from the fiasco, that, that the entrapment that was taking place there. Um, they didn't succeed, and you know the results. But he is going to have to serve 60 days in jail for trying to warn people that there was a Fed trap being set and to get away from the Capitol building. Yeah. Yeah. The Fed direction. But I want to get on to other stuff. Oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot two things. I'm going to have a rebroadcast of this show on Saturday at 3 o'clock. It'll be a rebroadcast so you can't call in. Um, It's going to be starting up. It's going to be a weekly thing. So anyhow, um, I shall put the phone numbers out. They are 766-1380-769-0600. It's hard to read it without my glasses. There we go. 
1-800-949-9674 for any of you out-of-state callers. And if nobody calls in, I'll just carry it myself. But um, I'm sure no one else out there has has anything to say about what's going on in, in Israel or Ukraine, uh, that, that sort of stuff right now. We'll go from doing history to what's happening today. So, I've got an interesting piece here in front of me. Poll. Majority of Americans say the U.S. should not send weapons and supplies to Israel. Hmm, that's interesting. They didn't even ask me. But I agree with that. Let's see. Okay, a new poll from CBS New York YouGov. Uh, found the majority of Americans are against sending weapons and supplies to Israel amid their conflict with Gaza. The poll found 52% of Americans said that the U.S. should not send weapons and supplies to Israel versus 48 who said we should. There's, it's interesting. There's no uh, independent, you know, there's no choice that, of undecided in this. Now, that just may be the way that, that the uh, poll was drawn up. There may not have been an undecided. But 52 to 48. So that, that's a pretty close. That's, that's almost a tie. But this is interesting here. CBS News buried the lead in the report on the, to- on the poll. Titling their article, Amid Concern About Wider War, Americans Give Mixed Reactions to Biden's Approach Towards Israeli-Hamas Conflict. They didn't even mention that the majority of Americans oppose sending weapons and supplies to Israel in their article and instead said Americans were split on the issue. Technically, yeah, they are split in this poll. <laughs> doesn't even say how many people they uh, they polled. But if it was done by CBS, they probably have enough money to, to do like a thousand people. Anyhow. CBS buried the lead. Why would CBS bury the lead? Unless they just had an incompetent um, uh, headline writer, which is possible. And many newspapers... The guy that writes, or the gal that writes the article, is not the one that puts a headline on it. That's a totally different job. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the lead downplayed, the headline downplayed the um, that there were more Americans that did not want to supply Israel versus the people that did want to. And this shows a bias that CBS News has. And all news operations have this bias. They want to continue to fund the wars. And in fact, well, they've, they've got a reason why they want to fund the wars. There's a reason why they want to continue the wars besides that uh, the CIA has, has a lot of backdoor uh, connections to all of the media, all of the mainstream media, uh, cow toes to what the CIA tells them to. Or, like with Twitter, the FBI is infiltrated in there 
either with people that used to work at the FBI and went over there or, um, or you know, they, they've just got a connection there. The FBI will call up Twitter or they used to before Elon Musk bought it. But uh, they would call it up and they would direct um, the flow of the news. In fact, uh, what word in Bernstein? I think it's Bernstein was uh, in naval at- intelligence before he got a job as a journalist um, at, well, which station did he work on? Is it either CBS or NBC? I'll have to double check on that. Sorry, I, I don't know that off the top of my head. But mainstream news media kowtows to what the deep state wants. So this is very surprising that, number one, <laughs> the, that the uh, poll went against what the deep state wants. But they, they made darn sure that they buried the lead information. About 52% of the people are against sending uh, more weapons and more supplies to Israel. And no, that doesn't mean that 52% of the people are anti-Semitic. It could, could just be that 52% of the people are sick and tired of these foreign wars. And, you know, we are $32 trillion in debt. And you heard Janet Yellen, Sec- uh, Treasury of the Sec- Secretary of the Treasury, saying that we can afford a, to fight a war in Israel and in Ukraine at the same time. And we could uh, throw in a war with China over Taiwan to boot. How can it be that we can afford these wars if we're $32 trillion in debt? You just pump. You pump up the, the printing machine and you keep printing money, print more money, print more money, and print more money. They don't have to raise taxes to do it, except this is going to be a backdoor tax. And what it does is it makes the dollar less valuable and um, things will cost more. <laughs> Eggs will go from $5 a dozen to 6 or $7 a dozen. And I know gas has gone down a little bit right now, but wait to see the prices when OPEC uh, cuts back on on their uh, you know output of of oil, you know, or if uh, if Iran does get involved in the war, they could shut down the Persian Gulf. We'd have the same effect, but. Looks like I've got a call here, so let's see what's on their mind. Go ahead, caller. What you thinking? Hey, James. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> hey, stranger. I'm doing good. What about yourself? Um, I feel like I'm living in a bad South Park episode. With all this insanity that's going on in the world. Oh, yeah. In my country. Yeah, let's, let's just start a war in the Middle East. And you know, the question I didn't yeah. get to was... Did Israel allow, did they stand down and let uh, this attack happen so they could go to war against uh, Hamas? Do you think so? they did create Hamas, correct? Yes. They created Hamas. Now, in September, Netanyahu went in front of the UN. Yeah. And he brandished the the new Middle East map that he showed 
And this new Middle East map, the West Bank and Gaza were part of Israel. <laughs> they did this in September. Did he? Oh, that must wow. have been... That <laughs> it's they, times Palestinians must have been real happy with that. Oh, yes. And how about Chris Murphy on the Wolf Blitzer show, right? I don't know about that. Tell me. <laughs> oh, this is... The man should be impeached, specifically. Wolf Blitzer asked him a question about... Um, should the Israelis provide proof that they weren't involved in a hospital bombing? And this is what Chris Murphy's exact words. He goes, I don't tend to require Israel to provide proof <laughs> of, the, of the claims that they make. My default position is to believe Israel. That should disgust any United States citizen. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. A sitting U.S. senator that says, I don't care. They can say whatever they want and I will believe them. I bet That's you. Nauseating. I bet you. There's a lot of people in Congress like that. I bet you those. Yes, too many. Those 22 holdouts that defeated Jim Jordan. Excuse me, from uh, becoming sec, um, uh, House Speaker. I bet you all 22 of them have have ties to the military industrial complex and are getting paid off by them. Yep. And Epstein's client list. I bet you a lot of our politicians are on that client list. Oh, I bet yeah. you there's a lot of sneaky videos <laughs> of a lot of politicians, and that's why they're yes men for the war machine. Yeah, they just rubber stamp it. But you know, at some point in time, we are going to just have a huge fiasco, like those two uh, aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean might get uh, might get wiped off the face of the earth. The Turkish military did some dance maneuvers around him. Did you hear about that? No. What'd they do? Ah, okay. I wonder why our media didn't, didn't uh, show that. And Israel just bombed the church, the St. Porphyrus. Yeah. Did you hear about that? I've got that one, yes. <laughs> and do, do you know that... The oldest Christian church in Gaza. In 1948, when Israel was, was developed, was born, for lack of a better word, 86% um, of Bethlehem were Christian. Now it's like 12%. Israel is ethnically cleansing Christians. You don't hear about that. I mean, you know, they, they did that on the quiet, you know, took their land, took their ability to uh, make money. And so the, the ethnic Christians there just s split. They're probably here in the United States. Who knows? But World War III is on its way, man, and it's all going to be based... On lies and smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Well, well uh, I've got an article here saying that BB is in trouble because you know he was trying to work deals through the um, through changing the uh, the Supreme Court there in Israel. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of protests. So yeah. Needed a war, maybe. Yeah, and, and now the protests are all gone because they're in a war uh, effort. You know, now it's yay, rah, rah. You know, we're behind BB. After the war, yeah. we'll, we'll settle things. But, yeah. Um, same thing with Biden. Biden is losing badly. And he needed a war in order to bolster his, his d dismal poll numbers. Well, he's got two. Which will lead to World War III. And, yeah. and you're right. How idiotic does a Treasury Secretary have to be? To know the country that you're the Treasury Secretary for is $33 trillion in debt. And you're like, ah, no problem. We can fund some more wars. She's just a swamp creature. 
She she's just going to print more, print more, and then inflation is going to kill the dollar, and that's that's going to kill people. You know, I heard on the I heard on the radio today. You know, the the speaker was saying how great it was that um, that gas has gone down thirty cents. Uh, that's not, enjoy it while it lasts. It uh, is not going to last long. Oh, by design, James, just in time for the great reset they keep talking about in 2030. Yeah, I think well, the world is going to change dramatically. This country is going to change drastically in the next five to ten years, and I don't think people are really going to be prepared for it. Well, first, they, they've got to reelect uh, Joe Biden. Um, and I, I still think that uh, Biden will be the, uh, the nominee for the, for the Democrats because he's so brain dead, <laughs> he can... As long as he can mumble words and people can understand half of it, they'll keep him there in office. These are funny times, Brother James. All right, man, I'll talk to you. Peace. (laughs) Peace. Later. Yep, talk to you later. Yeah, funny times, except uh, who's laughing? Except for the Biden family that's just raking in the cash. Uh, Let's see, the Biden regime on Friday just requested another $105 billion in aid for Israel and Ukraine. If approved, $61.4 billion in aid would go to Ukraine. So Ukraine's still getting the bulk of it. Israel won't like that. So <laughs> I'll bet you that... Uh, oh, I need to kill that. So I'll bet you that Joe raises that up. So they can have an even $61 billion for Ukraine and $61 billion for Israel. And there's, there's incidentals. $9.15 billion in aid for humanitarian assistance oh, to Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, and other needs. Um, like uh, paying off Joe Biden, paying Hunter Biden. Of course, Hunter's the bad man, so of course he gets his cut as a... As the money, as the bag goes to Joe, you know, and maybe other people in his family will get a cut. And, of course, you've got to pay off Mitch McConnell and the 22 Republicans, you know, that that voted to to block uh, Jim Jordan from becoming the Speaker of the House. Uh, They're going to want a piece of the action there. So it's... (laughs) Getting curiouser and curiouser as as the uh, uh, Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland said. Uh, I'll get this. I think I've got an article about it. There was one guy in Congress who wore his IDF uniform to Congress. Uh, by an exchange after... Uh, did I drop that one? Let's see. IDF, IDF. <laughs> Russia will pay the price, Israel official. Uh, Amir Whitman threatens Russia next after Gaza. Um, okay, anyhow, one of our congressmen went to the Capitol wearing his IDF uniform. I mean, 
I bet you there's more Ukrainian flag, um, you know, lapel flags and Israel flags in Congress than there are American flags. Anyhow, let me see what's on this person's mind. I know the caller. Nope, this one. Go ahead, caller. Yes, James, I have a question for you. I just heard your Shoot. last caller, and I understand your position and what you're saying, but what I'm asking you is what do you propose that should be done for Israel in terms of then trying to fend themselves off from the radical animal Muslims that they're surrounded by, including Hamas, ISIS, Iran, Hezbollah, and the list goes on. What do you suggest that we do? Do you suggest that we turn our backs and let them be let them let them fight it out? people, let them fight it let out. Let them fight it out. Yeah. Do you understand? Do you understand by by doing that, it emboldens Iran and makes them more uh, inclined to attack us. So now, now we have to go. Now we have to go to war with with Iran as well, right? No, what I'm asking yes, is because you have to understand who funds all this. You have to understand. I do. Understand I understand it perfectly, and I know for a hundred years we've been fighting other people's wars. Uh, well, and I'm sir, sick I'm a, and tired I of it. I study history as well. I study history as well, and if you can't see the parallels here of who's funding this right now, I see it and, perfectly. And to take a strong <laughs> stance, I just don't care important. anymore. Now, as, far as, you, as far as Ukraine war goes. I believe that that's a whole different deal because that has a lot to do with Russia taking back something that was once theirs. Exactly. This is different. These these radical Islam. Now, see what Russia, how Russia conducts themselves is very different compared to these radical Muslim animals who have complete intentions. Uh, you know, by by calling them animals, you're doing the same thing that the Nazis did uh, with, the, with the Jews. It's because they because they burn people alive. So, so does Israel. Like when, when Israel bombs uh, houses and businesses and churches and hospitals, people get burnt alive there, too. So my question to you, James, is what do you think about the uh, almost 1,300 people, that innocent people, that were slaughtered at that music festival? Do you think that uh, we should just turn It was 250 that? that were slaughtered at the music festival, total of one, 1,300 well, no, in I'm Israel. That, uh, and was, there was, was okay, 1,300... Well, we but it was over a thousand. So these people were ruthlessly killed, gunned down, raped. A lot of them were actually burned alive. Infants' heads were chopped off, and they went building the building and actually beheaded infants. Do you? Now, do no, you they believe, didn't. That, that's false. The beheadings is false. But do you not, know? Do, what do you think that uh, that Israel stood down, allowed this to happen, so they could go and uh, start a war with Hamas? I do not believe for one second that Bibi Netanyahu has any intentions to start any wars. I believe do that you, do you this know is that the he was that makes the whole entire world look and say, who do we stand by? A country that is about civility and about humanity, or one that is about the destruction of humanity as we know it in the name of Allah? It really is that simple, James. Uh, do you know that? Do you know? Do you know that Israel is, is anti-Christian? They don't allow Christians to speak uh, the Bible to uh, to their citizens. And uh, like I told Bob, Rob, they've driven Christians out of the country because they've made it unlivable for Christians. Well, um, I believe that religious preference is something that. But see, here's the difference, James. Now, I understand what you're saying there. I am a I'm a Catholic myself. But yes. Regardless of religion, um, 
Israel does not kill those Christians that they're kicking out. They're not beheading them. They're not raping them. They're not setting no, them they're on just, fire. They're doing the Jizra uh, action to them. The same thing that um, that Islam does in order to ethnic, ethnically cleanse an area. Uh, well, that well now de- deportations and not allowing a practice of a certain religion is a lot different than the murder that these okay. people have in store for us. And that and now now you have to understand, Iran is funding this, and to turn our backs and allow this cancer to fester will come back to bite us a hundred percent. And so will the and radical so, never have these radical Muslim factions ever been so emboldened as in the past four years right now because they're seeing the weakness in our white house they're seeing the weakness in our congress they're seeing the fecklessness of our government and they're becoming emboldened if you think that this ever would have happened what happened in that 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 uh that festival that never would have happened under trump oh i know that yeah i mean if if the election wasn't stolen this this would not have happened but he, he was he was working things diplomatically. He even befriended uh, Kim Jong Il. But I, I'm I'm not going to support Israel in this. I do believe that uh, Netanyahu set this this uh, set up Israel to have uh, this bloody attack on them, so he could turn around and crush Hamas and drive them out of. Out of the Palestinian you think land. And Yahoo set up that festival killing. Yes, you do. There'll be more wow. evidence that will come. I think that he is that evil. Well, what I can say is that if you were to be dro- if you were to be transported out of Diamond Hill Road right now, and you were to be dropped off over in Israel, okay, down to one minute, you would, you, you would be treated Actually, with humility. No. You would be treated seconds. with um, humanity. If you were to be dropped off in Palestine. You'd be beheaded. No, I wouldn't. And you, yes, you, uh, would. you absolutely would by being an Christians American. Live there. Okay, I'm absolutely. at the end of the show. Thank you for okay, the call. Okay, James, thank you so much for giving me the time. Have a great night, sir. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's the end of the show. Got to go. <laughs> Listening to Dunn's Deal with author James Dunn. Join James every Friday at 6.05 for a unique perspective on today's issues. But for now, this is a Dunn Deal. Only on your voice in the Blackstone Valley. WNRI, Woonsocket.